Are you concerned with your alcohol or drug use? Are you thinking about quitting for good and you are wondering what all this sober hype is about? Are you sober and frustrated because you continuously relapse and cannot find happiness in sobriety? Whatever the reason and wherever you are at, you have landed in the right place here at Sober Gratitudes. My name is Sarah and I have been sober since 2012. After many years of relapsing and alcoholic drinking, I am so grateful to have been finally relieved of the obsession to drink and freed from the bondage of self. I created this podcast out of the desire to offer you hope and inspiration by sharing my story from addiction to recovery and how I stay sober one day at a time. This podcast also features stories of others who have stayed stopped and are experiencing a satisfying life in sobriety after being addicted. Staying stopped does not have to be a battle. Sobriety does not have to be hard. Finding freedom and a new happiness is absolutely possible. You too can experience a better, more comfortable life without using drugs or alcohol. I invite you to listen to my podcast to hear these stories of hope and inspiration. Please join us in this wonderful community of support and subscribe to Sober Gratitudes on whatever podcasting platform you use. I am so glad you're here and welcome to Sober Gratitudes. Sober Gratitudes is a podcast dedicated to spreading the hope in recovery from addiction. It is an inclusive show that does not promote or represent any recovery program. When my guests and I discuss what keeps us sober, we are referring to our own unique experiences. Our goal is to encourage and give hope to those who are struggling and need support. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Sober Gratitudes. My name is Sarah, and I'm so happy you're here today again for another episode on my podcast. I hope you're doing well. I hope your day has started out okay and you're feeling good. I know I'm grateful to once again be alive and to have woken up with no desire to drink and no hangover. My plans today don't include anything involving alcohol. And that's a miracle. And I can't forget that. I've been thinking a lot about how my journey in recovery has been just just incredible. Um, it's been hard at times, and it's been um, easy. More recently, it's been a lot easier. I talk a lot on 
my episodes about how um, well, I don't know if I do talk a lot about it, but I what what I do talk about is there there is a solution to feeling better in sobriety. And um, I just wanted to kind of articulate that, explain that more. And it's quite simply this, getting sober for me and feeling calm and peaceful in sobriety is because I really healed and continue to heal my insides. Drinking alone, just separate from everything else, like drinking and and not being able to stop drinking, you know, that's my disease of alcoholism. And Yeah, that was a problem, but <clears throat> you take that away, you take the the alcohol away and you peel the the layers of the onion, if you will. I know many of you probably have heard that terminology. And when you when you dig deep <clears throat> and you look at the reasons why you drank. Well, I'll stick to my own experience, but I had to dig deep and <clears throat> understand myself and <clears throat> my patterns, my attitudes and behaviors, and my overall um inner problems like getting sober is basically an inside job for me and to you know when i talk about that there is a solution the solution is doing the inside job taking action and um doing more than just stopping the drinking. I tried that many times, just stopping and living my life without drinking alcohol, but nothing else changed. Meaning like I didn't, I didn't make any effort or even know that I had to go beneath the surface and dig deep and look at a lot of things about my past life, um, a lot of my traumas, some I have depression, anxiety, I had to address a lot of things and 
so I went through a lot of therapy. I, I had trauma therapy. I, I, I really had to do a lot of work to just feel better. And when I started feeling better, and, and I also talk about this, when I began to acquire new tools to coping with my uncomfortable feelings or just emotions in general, then, thing, then I really started to feel better and I was not needing to drink. I didn't, I, I didn't feel that I wanted to numb any feelings. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, there's been, it's been a, a journey. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I've been, I've been sober nine years and I mean, just, it wasn't until July of 2020 when it was kind of the an important piece of the inside job that I hadn't done that I finally did, which was the 12 steps out of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, I, d I didn't do the steps in for so many years. I didn't do them the right way for so many years because I was, I was really so focused. I was working with a woman who, who really was acutely aware of the fact that I had a lot of trauma and that I had a lot of issues like psychological, psychological issues. So I'm really grateful for her because she did encourage me to seek professional help and dig really deep. And I stayed within the fellowship but I was also very busy in um, therapy and it was hard. It was really, it was hard work, but you know, I just was so tired of feeling like shit. You know, I was tired of, of um, hurting myself and hurting other people. And I was tired of feeling angry. Um, and I knew there was, there was a goodness about me, but it was just so buried. <clears throat> and so I just felt like I was like just trapped under shit sludge. And I really needed to in order to get through the sludge and the shit, I, I, I had to get into action and do some serious, serious work, like work really hard. Because when I, when I just, prior to when I really committed to that kind of form of self-care, I, I would just stop drinking and that's it. And, and, you know, maybe get into exercise or, 
you know, do something else, but it was, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't address, I would, I couldn't, I was so afraid and I didn't know what I didn't know. And it, and it was really nerve wracking, the thought of, of tapping into pain that I feared would kill me. But the more I addressed a trauma or worked through pain, the more I did that, the easier it got and the lighter I felt. And I felt like I was literally, you know, being like coming out from under that sludge and that shit. And I was starting to bloom. And I, and I really started to feel that pretty quickly, you know, when I started therapy. And so I somebody sh- shared with me, um, somebody gave me actually a keychain with a lotus flower on it. And I'm like, what the heck is this? And I looked up the meaning of the lotus flower and I was like mind blown. Cause I'm like, this is what I feel like is happening for me right now. And I just, I felt like I was starting to bloom, like the colorful petals were starting to come out. So I felt like I was a lotus flower blooming, but it's taken a long fucking time. <laughs> Um, that's just with my journey. I mean, there's some people who, you know, they do the work and they get through it really fast. And for me, it, it just didn't happen that way, you know, and I'm not going to try to analyze why it took some time. But what I want to honor is that I, the, the gratitude I have that I remained willing over the course of these nine years to, to continue to grow through that sludge and that shit. And, you know, I, I was, there was times that I was really angry that I couldn't drink. I remember like feeling so terrible, like the emotions coming back from years of, of resentments and um, feeling really angry and um and i i was so angry that i i that i couldn't drink that i couldn't you know use that as a solution to to numb the uncomfortable feelings but but i'd i'd reached a point of desperation you know at the age of 39 you know 14 years old i started numbing my anxiety. And then I just use that as my coping mechanism until 39 when, you know, I talk about in my last episode of a day or two ago, where I was to the point of like, oh my gosh, who am I? Like, what have I become? Like, I've just feel like I've become a pile of shit. And what is my obituary going to look like? What have I done in my life? Like, I, I'm like, I, 
as far as I know, I have only one life to live. Do I want to experience this work, life and this world and my, my soul having this human experience? Do I want to be satisfied? Do I want to feel like I've meant something that I've, that I've been useful, that I've, that I've, that I've impacted this world somehow, that I've made a difference. And, you know, the only way that I could do that was to really, really work my ass off on, on my insides. And no amount, no amount of exercising or makeup or dieting or anything, you know, or getting involved in different activities, you know, it's all, it was all just temporary, like band-aids, you know, I, I, I had to really dedicate my life to this inside job. And so I had to, I, I had to sacrifice some things and put my journey first. My journey in, in peeling the layers, but also like not just peeling them, but like digging really deep, finding a good therapist. being completely honest about everything I was feeling, just being fearless. And um, I'm just so grateful that I, I was that willing. You know, I, I remember at one point early on, and, and I, I'm like, I, I think I understand now what it's going to take for me to feel better. And it's not going to really be that fun or easy at first but i'm i'm getting a taste of feeling better by doing this inside job by by look by talking about my feelings and talking about my anger without self medicating and being honest with my doctor and and finding out that i have anxiety and depression and for me needing medication and just corralling kind of like this team around me that would support me because I couldn't do it alone. And so when I realized at the beginning that that's what it was going to take and, and I, and I want it and, and I, I'm like, I think this is going to, this, this means that I'm going to have a better life. And I felt myself like, you know, with each like month that went by, you know, sometimes I have rough months or rough, you know, six month period, like, or rough six weeks or six, but I would, I always kept getting nuggets of feeling really good because of the inside job, like that action I was taking. So I thought, you know, I'm strong enough to work that hard to feel better about who I am and my place in this world and the difference that I can make in 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 my life and others 
Because, you know, I worked my ass off in my active addiction, you know, plotting and planning when I would drink, where I would get my alcohol, finding, you know, deals, when, when were the discounts out for like, you know, my drug of choice, which was really Pinot Grigio. Um, it, I worked really hard at project managing my alcohol, my active alcoholism. So I'm like, if I can, if I dedicated so much time on that, like in successfully sneaking that into my house and sneaking it out of my house and burying at the bottom of my purse so I could take swigs of the mini wine bottles wherever I was going, wherever I was, <clears throat> if I could work that hard and succeed at my active alcoholism, only to find that I just really felt like shit at the end of the day, physically and mentally, emotionally, then you know what? Like I'm, I'm going to work my ass off at recovery. Like, and at first I'm like, if, if I don't feel like I'm worth it, like, I'm going to do it for my kids. You know, I'm going to do it for my husband. Even though if, if I had moments of like, I don't deserve this, you know, well, I'm going to do it for them. If I, if, if I don't feel like I'm worth it, then I'm going to do it for them because they're worth it. But then I got to a point where that changed, where I was like, I am worth it. I am worth the effort of healing and feeling better. And, you know, in, in July of 2020, like I, I, I reached this point that I had been seeking kind of this final, like I had done so much therapy, still not having done the 12 steps the correct way in AA, but getting tastes of the 12 steps in the meetings I was going to. And I, I was like, what? I, 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 there's more. I feel like there's, there's something else I need to feel. Like, why am I, I've done so much work. I've done, I've done so much therapy. Like how much more therapy do I need to do to stop feeling like a victim of the trauma? Like, I don't want to feel like a victim anymore. It was just taking up so much space in my my life and I was pulling people in like this was like seven years sober eight years sober I was like pulling people into my you know my pity party not all the time but a lot of the time and there's some people who were kind of my hostage more than others and I pulled them around in my shit and had them roll around in it with me. And that wasn't fair to them. And so, you know, I had this dream in 2015. Um, I don't know if I've shared it yet on this podcast, but it's such a divine dream. And it's a dream that like, opened me up. It cracked me wide open and I felt so vulnerable. And I was like, it wasn't my rock bottom dream. That one was profound. And that one did get me in the rooms of AA. But the second dream I had three years, 
oh, 34, 50, three years after I, I got in the program, it was another dream that was so divine. And I was doing therapy and I was actually working with somebody, a spiritual director about this dream. It was a very like, you know, it was a dream about, about Jesus dying and that I, Jesus was my friend. And I had never thought once about Jesus before in my whole life, like even going, you know, being a devout Episcopalian with my family going. And I never really got, like, I never really thought much about Jesus. And then why am I, why did I have this dream in 2015 that Jesus died? And I was like, so completely devastated. And, and in the dream, I, God, just such a long drawn out dream. But by the end of the dream, the message that was given to me basically was that I have always been forgiven. And the question was asked of me in the dream, when will you forgive yourself? I have forgiven you, but when, when will you do? It's time, Sarah. It's time for you to forgive yourself and move forward. And so for five years, I saw it and saw it and saw it. And then that's why I started this podcast. Do I need to do more outreach work? What is it? Do I need to, do I need to, like, why won't, why do I feel like this dream is not reconciled? And so COVID hit and then I met somebody who said, do you want to do this Zoom workshop on the 12 steps? And I was like, holy shit, because in, in this dream in 2015, the big book was actually a big part of this, this dream. And, you know, I, I don't know why I, I didn't actively pursue like any workshops before COVID. I don't, I don't know why it didn't, but it just, and I'm not going to try to figure out why it just didn't happen that way. But it happened during COVID and I had this opportunity to do a workshop It was four Sundays and, and it actually addressed, I was able to address why I was holding on to the trauma of my past and it helped me address why I was still feeling, I felt, I felt sorry for myself and it helped me understand that alcoholism is not like this, I'm not going to be battling alcohol my whole life that there is a solution to that and that that if i'm lazy or feeling jealous or envious or or full of self-pity it's not because i'm an alcoholic it's because i'm a human and so for so many years i believed that I was cursed with alcoholism and that I would forever be battling my alcoholism. And a part of my, and, and I believe that a part of my alcoholism was when I would self-isolate, 
when I was crabby. Oh, my alcoholism is acting up. No, that's my humanism. That's me being a human. That's completely separate from being an alcoholic. <laughs> but I, I, I felt like I could like blame everything, all my character defects on being an alcoholic. But no, I learned that I could be relieved of my alcoholism. I could recover from that. And that um, I learned tools and how to get out of feeling self-pity and how to get out of feeling fear and how to get out of feeling afraid. And it's simply this, it's to turn my attention away from me. How do I feel, how am I feel afraid about my son's future who has autism? I, I ask my higher power to direct my thinking to somebody, to, to where I can be useful. Because when I'm thinking about the future, I'm making up stories. that aren't true. They're just made up stories. And I'm wasting time on these stories, thinking about them when I could be useful to another alcoholic or to somebody in my family who's not an alcoholic or my children or my extended family or my neighbors. I don't know if any of this has made sense to you, but, um, I just really, I feel more and more compelled to share on this podcast the truth about how I am in a recovered state and that I'm not fighting or battling my alcoholism anymore. I'm free. I'm free from the obsession to drink. I'm freed from the bondage of self. The bondage of self that used to keep me selfish and incapable of really, really compassionately thinking of others and getting out of my head. So, so I, I'll just, I'm just going to end with, with this as I, I have like a minute left here, but, um, I started a, um, another Instagram account called, um, sober peeled healed, sober peeled and healed. And it's taught and it's it's featuring stories of people who have really healed from the inside out. So check that out. If you're interested. But I want you to know that I, I care deeply about you. Those who follow me um, 
on this podcast. And I want to be of service in a way that helps you. So I hope you have the best day of your life. <laughs>